You're listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. For more interviews with many of the world's most inspiring business leaders uploaded daily, download Tiger Hall from the App Store or Google Play. So either you've clicked on this podcast because you're a person of colour working in the US or a woman of colour, maybe like our guest today, or someone who's curious to hear about this experience as they want to ensure no one around them ever feels othered or like an outcast. We're speaking to Radha Subramanyam, President and Chief Research and Analytics Officer at CBS. We're going to hear her thoughts on being a woman of colour making her way to the top of the US organisation and her advice for anyone else who's being made to feel different in some way. So, Radha, as you've made your way through your career, what have been your most defining moments where you've been made to feel aware of being a woman of colour? Sure, it's an interesting question, right? So let me take a step back. Um, so I've, I've had the privilege of working for some great companies. And to be honest, I work for companies that are, you know, Hollywood or uh, New York or L.A. So perhaps what people would call some of the most woke um, companies um, in this country. So uh, my experiences are not necessarily reflective of everybody's experiences, uh, but are real and authentic nonetheless. So let me talk to you a little bit about that, right? So I believe um, in my world um, and the various encounters that I have had um, over my, say, 25-year career uh, in American corporations, that in the companies that I work, people aren't consciously racist. People aren't out there. Uh, nobody wants to think of themselves that way, right? Uh, most people think of themselves as being genuinely good people and genuinely want to do the right thing. Um, and I think just coming at it, uh, assuming good intent has really helped me. I assume the best in people and I assume that people are trying their best. That is separate from unconscious bias, which we can all acknowledge um, as real and true. So separating unconscious bias from what other people call uh, racism has actually been very, very helpful to me because you can acknowledge um, that something is coming from a position of unconscious bias. And by the way, all of us have unconscious bias, whether we're women or people of color uh, or white people or something else. So separating conscious um, attacks based on race from unconscious bias has been incredibly valuable. So I will say first and foremost that the large majority of my experiences have been positive. My best mentors have been men. My best mentors have been white men. Um, and we've been able to have a very solid business person to business person relationship uh, where we're defining each other based on what we bring to the table um, and the problems that we're trying to solve, right? But then every now and then you will have a moment that either gives you the chills or shakes you or just kind of makes you wake up and uh, question things. And I'm happy to share one or two of those, right? 
So for me, uh, one of those was in a role probably uh, 10, 12 years ago, uh, where I was in a new role, but the first meeting I had uh, was a senior leadership meeting uh, where um, I was contributing and I was, um, uh, you know, voicing my perspective um, on the issues we were discussing. And yes, it was day one, but I was there for a reason. I was a senior executive. So I was offering business-driven or business-led perspectives because I thought that is what is expected of me because that's why I'm being paid and that's why I'm in that role. And I remember the manager in that context saying, oh, I didn't expect you to speak on your first day. And I was just confused by the whole thing and I had to go away and process. And I realized that he had some kind of biases specific to passive Asian women. Um, and that became clearer uh, through the course of the months that we worked together. Um, and ultimately I realized that he and I were not a good fit uh, mutually because he kept trying to pigeonhole me into either passive Asian woman um, or daughter or mother or, you know, some really old fashioned roles. Um, and it took me a while to uh, realize that um, and, and to acknowledge it and to raise it with um, others in management. Um, so, of course, you know, you're going to run into those, right? Um, you know, I don't want to talk about whether it's unconscious bias or conscious or something else, because what do I know about the psychology or the upbringing of this individual? Uh, but I think just to put things in a larger perspective, um, I've had more experiences that are good than bad. I wouldn't be doing this uh, year after year if that were not the case. But it also takes a degree of maturity to acknowledge real bias when it's real um, and to depersonalize that and to not um, think that there is something wrong with you, but to see things for structural um, and historic um, and to uh, separate yourself. I think ultimately you have to know yourself. You have to know your values. You have to know what you bring to the table. Um, you have to also acknowledge that in every life there are setbacks um, and you have to come back at those with resilience and maturity. Radha, what do you wish more people knew about the experience women of colour have in the corporate world? Um I mean, if you could make, wave a magic wand, right? You would probably say that if everyone could see you as people and as executives, uh, just like everyone else, uh, that would be amazing. But we also live in the real world. We live in a complicated world with a lot of history. Um, the history of colonialism still plays into biases and culture. Uh, structural inequities, economic or otherwise, uh, play into perception, uh, and specifically the history of slavery uh, in many countries, including the U.S., uh, unfortunately comes to this day in terms of perceptions um, and structures, right? So yes, um, if you could um, wave a magic wand, you would make all of that go away. Uh, but I think that um, there are a couple of things that are just practical and helpful, right? Uh, one is more training around structures and how a lot of racism, for lack of a better term, is not individual, 
uh, or from bad people, but is grounded in structure and educating people on those. You see a lot of aha moments. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Oh, I hadn't realized that, right? I mean, you can use something very specific like property ownership and redlining and how certain groups were allowed to own property and others weren't. So if you start to put things in historical context, um, that starts to make a lot of sense. And I can tell you where I've ended up as an executive of color on this, right? Um, I believe in creating opportunity. I believe in early educational opportunities because all children are equal and all children come into the world, hopefully, um, you know, uh, one would hope someday with relatively equal chances. So I believe highly um, uh, in the importance of education and the importance of support early on. And I also believe in opening the doors um, at, to all kinds of people and not keeping people out because of their race, gender, ethnicity, sexuality, or something else. But then once people come into the organization, um, while we have to provide everyone with um, the ability to succeed, you do have to evaluate as objectively and equally as you can. Because as a person of color and as a woman of color, I never want to be held to a different standard or a lower standard than anybody else. Uh, because that to me would be patronizing and that to me would be insulting. So I think we provide structures of support. We provide structures of training. We provide uh, structures of education. Um, but then uh, try and treat people um, best we can and as equally as we can uh, when they're all in a specific role, regardless of race, gender, color, ethnicity, sexuality, or any other form of difference. Mm. You know, Radit, you just exude this fearlessness. You really sort of give off this unshakable confidence. But many people, if they've been made to feel other in some way, like uh, many conversations I've had with people in my work at Tiger Hall, both on the record and off the record, struggle with this confidence and feel the need to cover or tone down parts of their identity. And uh, I'm sure your advice here will be don't cover, but anything we can say to people who are feeling that way? So my advice would never be don't cover. And I also want to talk a little bit about the fearlessness and where it comes from, right? Because I think we do people a disservice if we don't talk about some of this. Um, and I think ultimately, for me, um, there are cultural, structural and other factors and other privileges that I've had. But at the end of the day, if I'm truly honest about it, uh, it's my family. It's my parents. It's, uh, you know, it's the really early stuff. Uh, that determines a lot of who you become as an individual. Um, and so some of the confidence and perhaps some of the fearlessness um, I bring to these roles is very much grounded uh, in extremely early years of development. And I do want to acknowledge that, right? Um, because the things that happen later, the things that have, whether it's racial, structural, economic, or something else, um, the way you react to them um changes or is different based on some of those early years. So I do want to acknowledge that some of this is just based in early years and early experiences and not necessarily what you encounter in the C-suite uh, or in corporate America. 
That being said, I want to talk about specifically being a woman of color uh, or a person of color in corporations and C-suites and how to navigate that, right? On the one hand, you have to be 100% authentic because if you are not authentic, you won't survive. Uh, you won't be, you won't be happy. But I also want to define what authenticity is or what authenticity can be. Authenticity doesn't mean every piece of you, every moment at the same time. Like you may be a great yogi or you may be really great at unicycle or whatever. And those are authentic parts of yourself. But those are not necessarily the pieces you have to bring to work unless it's relevant or helpful in some way. So when I talk about authenticity, I don't necessarily talk about the superficial things that go with authenticity, right? You have to be authentic to your values. You have to be true to what you really believe in and stand for, um, whether it's the environment or racism or sexism or gender or something else. So you have to know which of your values you don't compromise on. So you really have to know that about yourself. And those are places where you stand out or stand up or are an upstander, right? But there are other pieces that go into authenticity that may or may not be that important. So um, I grew up in India. Um, I grew up with a ton of beautiful clothing and saris and jewelry um, and color um, and all of those things. And I realized that it was not helpful to me, but also not necessary to me to be wearing that clothing in the workplace, right? I realized that I needed to have a certain corporate polished style that was still authentic to me, uh, but that wasn't necessarily the one that I grew up with. So I, ex from an exterior, um, manufactured myself into something that was authentic and true to me, but also fit within some of the expectations and cultural norms. And it doesn't make me any less happy and it doesn't make me any less authentic. Um, so you see me today uh, very much in a tailored dress, uh, but in red because I like color and that's authentic to me um, and a degree of jewelry, even if understated, because that's true to me. Uh, but that doesn't have to be some of the over the top jewelry that I grew up with. Right. So that's a physical manifestation of a degree of authenticity that I'm comfortable with. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, this conversation and you and my companies, um, I won't fundamentally uh, be inauthentic in terms of my values uh, and compromise myself as a human um, at um, almost, um, you know, a deep karmic soul level, right? So authenticity is real, but think about authenticity. Don't believe that everything you were in high school or the playground or somewhere else is necessarily whom you have to be at work. Keep the pieces of that that are truly authentic, driven by your values and are helpful to you and learn to shed the skin that is inauthentic in some way because it was the posturing you did when you were 13 and you don't necessarily have to carry with yourself um, when you're 30 or 60. Mm, I love that. 
I think that was the best explanation of authenticity in the workplace I've ever heard. Really liked it. Um, okay, so Radha, a lot of people who would have clicked on this podcast and they're listening now will have identified with the title. They're either a woman of colour or a person of colour or someone who feels other. So can you speak directly to the listeners and offer them some advice and ideally something actionable that they can do right after listening to this? Yeah. So um, I want to acknowledge their feelings and their experiences and their reality. But I also want to say that walking around every day feeling as other and feeling as an outcast is too much of a burden to carry. It is not sustainable and it's going to keep you from being your best self and functioning um, to your true potential. So find a way to harness those things that you see as challenges or weaknesses, make them into your strengths, harness useful pieces of that into your professional self, how you can, for example, bring diverse points of view into a boardroom or into a C-suite and represent the full breadth of your consumers or audiences but try not to carry that burden with you every day because you will fall or be crushed under that burden and it's not helpful to you, your family, your mental health or your success. Beautiful. Okay, Radha, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Another day, another Tiger Hall podcast. If you're anything like me, you'll want to remember a few key things from what you just heard. Did you know you can make notes directly in the Tiger Hall app? Within each piece of content, you'll see a little icon, looks a bit like a piece of paper. Simply click this and type away. You can then find all your notes conveniently together in your profile. Until next time.